Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Tanya Drury and hearing more about her varied and fascinating career. Tanya holds a BPA in circus and physical theatre and was a solo and group performer of circus arts and physical theatre across New Zealand, Germany, Canada, USA and Japan from 2005 to 2016. Since 2011, her focus has been moving from live performance to film and television. Tanya works as a stuntwoman, motion capture action performer, puppeteer and actor and has appeared in films such as Planet of the Apes and Wonder Woman and will be featuring in the upcoming Avatar sequel. In 2016, Tanya decided to also pursue study in social work and recently completed her master's. She's passionate about the work that she does here, which includes, among other things, advocating for the rights, health, safety and well-being of sex workers in Aotearoa. Her career has taken her from hula hooping clown to fighting for human rights, and I can't wait to hear more. Kia ora, Tanya, and thank you very much for joining me. Oh, kia ora, Anna. Thanks for having me. This is a lovely opportunity. Wonderful. Um, um, as I think we just briefly mentioned before I started recording, I'm really genuinely looking forward to hearing about your career. It's so far removed from my own, but to the, um, in a wonderful way. I'm really looking forward to hearing about it. But let's start perhaps a little bit further back. When you were a child or even a teenager, what did you want to do or be when you grew up? Um, that's a really interesting question. I, I think if I think back to those days, I go, oh gosh, what did I want to do or be or aspire to? And I think that all I can think about, honestly, is when I was about 15 or 16, I was asked to leave school. There was a polite conversation that happened between uh, myself and the Catholic school I went to, to not return the following year after that would be not returning to sixth form. And uh, I didn't do too well at school. It wasn't a place that I kind of fit in. And I jumped on the bandwagon of hairdressing. I kind of just grabbed it because I didn't know what else to, to do. So at the age of 15, 16, I didn't have, and I don't remember having massive ideals about where it is I, I wanted to go. I think what I did know is that I wanted to travel. And my nana, the fabulous Valerie Wilson, travelled a lot in her younger years and she was in her 20s on these massive cruise ships just floating around the place and went to Spain and was riding bikes across Spain and she was wearing shorts or trousers at a time when females were only allowed to wear skirts. Uh, So I grew up reading her big journal that she kept, all of her train tickets, all of her boat tickets, the diary that she wrote in every day and she spoke about all the cross-stitch and arts and crafts that she'd do on the boat before she'd go up to the deck to have a social. And then there's stories of her being in Scotland and meeting and seeing teddy boys at, at dances. And I just had this massive fascination with travel and also with this 
lone wolf, this strong female, and she was definitely the leader of our pack. She was kind of held our family together. My grandfather died when my mum was quite young. So I, I just had this idea that I wanted to travel. I think I wanted to find a job that I could do that with. And what incredibly inspirational role model for you to have there in in your own family to be able to look up to and obviously to read about and hear her stories. But I think also a recognition there that school is not for everyone and that the (sighs) academic kind of path at at quite a young age is not not for everyone. And that sometimes I think we get caught up in in more the academic side without recognising the skills and gifts that other that you might bring it in other spheres. That's right. Some people have a, a different drive. And my father and my older sister had a different view on school and were able to finish their schooling right to the end with this idea that they just get it done, but might not be the most fun. Life awaits you after seventh form. But I couldn't see it that way. I just totally bucked the system. I had a major problem with authority figures and just really wanted to push back against that. And I've actually ended up pretty much working for myself predominantly since then, you know, and I'm, I'm coming on 37 uh, next year and have continued to keep that autonomy and can control over uh, the way that I work. Mm. So it's quite interesting. Really interesting. And then tell me, what was the journey into getting into circus arts and physical theatre? You know, I grew up in Christchurch in South Island. And um, at the age of freshly 18, I flew all the way to Canada and lived with a lived with this guy in Toronto. I think that when I did leave Canada after a year of being there and I came back to New Zealand, I when I need to be performing. This is what I need to be doing. It feels good to move my body. And I remember having asked my mum if I could take up dance in my mid-teens somewhere. And it, it hadn't eventuated. And so when I got home and I was 20, I thought, I'm an adult now. I can choose to do what I want to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to train and dance. And I'm going to be a dancer. That's what my life is going to be, my career. I'm going to be a dancer. And I went and did this contemporary dance class and it happened to be held in the studio of Circo Arts, which was the old Circus Training Institute at the Christchurch, what used to be the Christchurch Polytechnic in Christchurch. And we're doing this this dance and I'm feeling really not very coordinated or graceful, but I'm having a great time. And at the end of our dance class, this lovely man by the name of Godfrey Sim came up to our dance class and said, I don't know if any of you have heard about it or if you would know that we run a circus school here. It's called Circo Arts and you can come out with a diploma. And I just sat there and I went, over the week of doing the dance class, I've been seeing all the, the unicycles and the silks and the trapeze and the big trampoline that has the foam put and everything out in the main space. So I had to walk past all of that to go to this dance class. So I'd been looking at it for a week. And he goes, we've, we've got spaces. And this year's classes are starting very shortly. And I have a feeling in my memory, it might not be completely accurate, but I've got a feeling that school was starting within about two to three weeks. Something in my mind just went, oh my God, I should totally go to circus school and just be a circus performer. I remember going home and speaking to my mum and my stepdad about it. I'm not sure that they were super convinced. I don't think they could really see um, maybe a stable pathway for me going to what used to be said a lot to me, clown school. But I remember speaking to a very good friend of mine, Kendall, and we sat down on the grass by the Avon River 
and she just told me how much she loved and cared for me and supported me and that if this was something that I wanted to do and try, she would support me. She would be there to say, hey, give this a go. I think it's a good idea. And I went, oh, wow, okay, I've got support somewhere. And I did it. I went and got a student loan and I signed up and all of a sudden I was going to circus school every day. And it was a turn up at 8 or 8.30 in the morning and you were finishing around 5 o'clock and you were going to, to learn trapeze and I was learning physical theatre and clown and unicycling and um, tight wire and um, handstands and floor acrobatics. And that is how I got into circus. I love also there the, the, the piece around talking to your friend and how yeah. sometimes in, a, in many of our life or career choices that not everyone kind of shares our dreams or they might pour a bit of cold water yeah. on them or have some doubts about it. But sometimes within that surrounding you with people who do support you and believe in you can really help to just to give you that encouragement to, to give it a go. And you talked then about your the fact that maybe it's well, it certainly got the perception that it might not be the most stable career. What were mm. then the, the sort of the highlights, but also some of the challenges of those first years of your performing arts, your circus career? Oh, the training was hard. The training was hard all the way through because I didn't come from an extremely physical background. Some people who go into circus have come from a dance background or gymnastics background. So they've got a really good awareness of how their body moves. They've got a relatively good um, base level of flexibility and strength. And I came in with none of that. I had to work quite hard at the physicality side of circus. I did really well quite naturally at the clowning and the physical theatre side, but the physical aspect. I had to build strength and that can take a long time. When I first started working, I just loved it. I loved the whole whole process of um, finding music, working out a costume and a character and um, then rehearsing the piece and then packing my bag to get ready for the the gig and then doing my makeup for the gig and I just went quite hard out on my makeup. I loved it, glitter and gemstones and everything I could think of. And then of course would have these great feelings after having having done the gig. You know, you're full of um, endorphins and adrenaline. So I think through through the beginning parts of my career that was really great. And also met another wonderful woman called Deb Pope who'd come over back from the UK and she would brought a wealth of experience and knowledge with her and she was coming back to New Zealand to give circus a real kick in the butt here in New Zealand and be like, come on, let's make some work. Let's make New Zealand aware of circus so that we can live and breathe and and work circus and be paid for it. And um I did that show and that's where people from the world of wearable arts happened to come and see the show and saw me in that show and then offered me a spot performing in the 2006 WOW show, which blew my mind because I'd only just come out of the circus school. So I had this really great start to my circus career where it just kept getting better and better and I had lots of work. I liked trying to find the work, so I was very proactive in, in, in approaching um, festivals and, and shows to say, hey, I'm here, this is what I do, is there anything I can do within your production? And I liked that part of it too. I was very, I liked the business and admin side just as much almost as I liked the performance side, which was quite good. So I think they were some of the highlights for me. And to boot, I got to travel. 
So I got to travel all around New Zealand. And then, of course, I started traveling around the world to see my friends. And I would set up jobs while I was traveling um, to see friends or family in places like San Francisco and in Germany and Japan. So I think those are probably some highlights is that I had a good progression and, and, and was achieving success in a way through circus in New Zealand until it got to around about, I think about 2014, 2014, 2015, when I, I just fell out of love with circus, the physical performance aspect of it. I got really, I felt quite lonely. I wasn't working in a company anymore. So I was on my own traveling, doing shows for corporate events and then staying in a hotel and then flying home on my own. So the whole event was on my own. And I stopped feeling those endorphins and those good feelings after having done the performance. I I would have the anxiety or the butterflies that you'd get before going to do the work. But then I wouldn't have the good stuff that used to come after having finished the gig. And the loneliness kind of became more prominent in what I was feeling. And I just started to feel really lost because I I didn't know who I was without circus and without those people around me all the time or trying to work on a new routine or look for work and all of those kind of things started to become really hard to do and they weren't enjoyable and I had to work through that space to come out the other side and realize that I wanted to leave I wanted to leave circus I wanted to leave that that live performance aspect and I wanted to stop working on my own in that way because I had gone into quite a deep depression uh, trying to figure out how to stay in circus or how to leave. I didn't know which way to go and I didn't know how to choose one or the other and I got to the point where I felt so lost and helpless that there were times where I was definitely having suicidal ideation and that's when I knew that something had to change. I had to try and help myself and find a way to find joy in my life again after circus. And I decided to retire from circus and think about other things I could do with my life, which is where I ended up um, signing up to do my master's for social work, which is quite strongly, I think connected to circus. Circus has got a very social aspect to it and a community focus. And so a lot of the work I'd done within circus, apart from the the performance side of things, had been that I tutored, I would train other students and other people in circus. And that sometimes meant that you were running workshops for people um, with disabilities that might be physical, intellectual disabilities. Also ran some classes for youth at risk programs. And so those kind of, I knew that I enjoyed that support work, that advocacy work, because I, I touched on that in circus. So I went, oh, maybe I could go on that road with the social work. So once I'd made that decision and realised that it was okay to leave one career and move on to another, and it wasn't a failure, because I did, I felt like a massive failure. I felt like I had failed because I couldn't continue to love my job anymore. And when I told people I didn't want to do circus anymore, their response was, who would want to stop circus? It's so fun. And you're so good at it. And I just went, oh, they don't understand. 
it was really hard to talk to people about wanting to leave someone else's maybe dream job. And people look at acrobats or circus performers and go, oh my God, that looks so fun. They must, they're just living this great, fun, playful, amazing life. But it has, it's like any other occupation or career choice. And sometimes you just move away from something. And I didn't know how to do that without being seen as a failure. And it was, yeah, quite a hard process. But I managed to work through that. And I think that might have had something, you know, I transitioned into working in film as well. Before I decided to leave circus, I had a dabbling working in film and television. And when I decided to leave fully, I went, maybe I could still be physical with my body and still draw on all of that experience and that um, physicality and movement that I learned. I can now transpose that and put it into a different medium. And now I work in film doing motion capture and stunts. And I do that just a few times a year, you know, it's not something I do full full time or depending on the contracts that come up. And so I feel like I've got this really good balance now where I can do this, my social work, which has a good balance of face-to-face stuff as well as kind of academia. And I can also take contracts here and there for film and television and still feel like I'm connected to that physical performance, that world of using your body and creating um, art. Mm, And thank you for sharing that, Tanya. It struck me with a lot of the women that I work with and I coach, they're often going through some kind of a transition in their career. So they're thinking about, you know, what next? I'm not finding it so fulfilling anymore. And I really liked the way you talked about it. Actually, that it felt like a failure. You've invested so much time and effort and everyone was telling you, gosh, you've got this amazing job, but it just didn't feel right. And I can imagine particularly the world of performing, it's intense, very emotional. I'm sure that that kind of highs and lows of the endorphins and then the, the loneliness in between, I can imagine that it would also take its mental toll. And I'm really interested because, as I said, a lot of people that I work with do have those periods where they go through and they go, you know, this is, I think I need to do something else. How did you work through that? I leant pretty hard on a couple of my really good girlfriends and they were there. They were there to support me and allow me to feel what I needed to feel and get through what I needed to get through. And I think it was just a matter of giving myself time and being allowed to mourn, mourn my career in circus and and feel sad. It was okay to feel sad about leaving, I think. And I, I had to give myself that room to do that and but then when I realized okay I have to leave and it's okay to leave and I I can feel sad about it there'll be something else for me once I hit that point it was just about me setting up some more goals some new goals and then I could focus on those goals which was getting my master's in social work that I so I could set myself up in my later years, at that point in time, for me to get through that, I didn't tell myself I'm going to get a social work, I'm going to get my master's in social work so I can become a social worker now and drop everything. In my mind, I said, I'm going to get this master's so that when I am ready to fully drop the performance side of my being, I'll have something to fall back on. And I'll be able to do social work right up until retirement. There'll always be jobs there. And I know I love it. So I 
was looking at it as an investment in my future. That enabled me to cope with moving on from circus, I think, that I wasn't making it a final decision. I wasn't making a hard cut from that old life. And I said, I'll do social work, but only if I can still work and film and I can still use my body when and if I choose. That was the deal that I made with myself and it made things okay. And again, I had those really strong friendships that were supporting me to do that. I had people telling me that was actually possible. Lovely. And for me in there, just that, again, that wonderful support coming through, but also a really good lesson in there actually about giving yourself some time, but also not just moving away from something. You're also moving towards something and that probably helped you get through it, but not in a kind of a black and white hard cut that's it way it was actually looking at the possibilities of how you could continue to integrate some of those threads of your life but in a way that worked for the future as well yeah super and Tanya, yeah absolutely what is it about then about social work that you really love oh um I think what I really enjoy about social work is that advocacy is I think I I want to use the word fun. I don't know how to explain it, but I really like trying to understand a system and I want to try and understand that system so that I can make sure people know how to use that system and make it work for them. I'm a bit of a policy legislation geek. I like to really get my teeth into it and understand it and then say, what does this actually look like for the person that it's supposed to be supporting or helping? that's something I really enjoy about it. Once you do bring awareness to all of those that that you have access to as a person, that just builds that self-determination in that person and their feeling of autonomy and they can then go out in their own right and fight for those rights and get access to it. So I find the advocacy portion of social work really important and empowering that person or those people or that community that you work with yeah to then feel self self-empowered and be able to go out and fight the good fight um, for themselves with a bit of backup and support from others but I think that's ultimately what it's about and from what I understood from you part of your work is has been about advocating for sex workers here in Aotearoa New Zealand we use the term sex worker because we we acknowledge that sex work is work and the word prostitute and prostitution is has negative connotations to it and can often be used in a way where people, are, they talk about it as a, as a thing that happens to a person. You are a prostituted person or they have been prostituted. But actually, I see sex work as work. I see sex work as a choice um, that most people do make a choice to do sex work. It's not a thing that is happening to them. It's a thing, it's an occupation. It's a job that they are doing. I think alcohol and drug dependency is quite low on the percentage of people for reasons why they enter sex work, but also the reasons why they stay. And the main reasons that people choose to do sex work is for money. Um, Just like anyone else that might choose to have any job and the main reasons that they stay in sex work is money but also flexibility of hours and the way that they can work works quite 
well often for many students or people that have dependents like children and they can choose to work whatever hours of the day they want. It was great and fascinating for, for me to hear that take on it and you oh, know that in, in particularly that idea around flexibility and control in your career and that's becoming yeah. I think for so many people actually a really important part of their work choices is how do I have some flexibility and control to live the life that to balance all aspects of my life, my health, my family and, and around there. Yeah. Tanya, I wanted to just take a step back and I will, just because I was interested and I wanted to ask about it, was around your work as a stunt woman. And what does, yes. you know, what does that involve? Because I can't really picture exactly what it would involve. <laughs> Oh, it's, I'm very informally a stunt woman. I, I thought about when I left circus about going full time into the stunt realm and that would have entailed large quantities of time, training, upskilling, like getting my scuba diving license or doing courses in fire burns or stunt driving, high falls. You want to get certificates in all these areas. You want to get experience and training in all these areas. And I was at the point where, I don't know, I, I just, I was reluctant to jump in that that quickly and that full on. And I guess I was still a little bit scared or nervous about whether or not that was the direction I wanted to go in after having just left however many years of 10 or so years of circus, or it was more than 10 by that point, it was about 13, I think, of having a very rigorous training schedule. And I thought, oh gosh, I just don't know if I want to do that with my body. And I thought, well, how do you think I could just coast along on the experience and the skill set that I've got and maybe get a few jobs here and there? And I thought, you know what? I'll take my chances. I think I'll do it that way. And I just managed to um, pick up a few jobs here and there doing um, pretty low-level kind of stunts. You know, I have I think I was in an explosion and in mortal engines, I was there was an explosion and I hit a wall and bounced onto the ground and then rocks fell on me and stuff like that. So I didn't have to do extreme stunts where I'm, say, jumping off a cliff into the ocean. And an, another film I did actually, which was really lovely, it's a New Zealand film, short film, and I got dragged out of a car. So I had to land like back first on the ground and get dragged around. And I had to run down a dark road with this very, very tall person who was like over six foot running after me in the dark. And then he tackled me onto the grass. So he made it look like he was tackling me, but he was so fabulous that he wrapped his arm around me, but absolutely no weight on me. So we both were just roly-polying onto the grass. I'm able to use the background that I've got to accomplish those level of stunts, as well as I, I did go and do some training and free diving to learn to hold my breath and be more confident in water because I did know that Avatar um, was going to be filming at some point and I knew they were going to be filming underwater. So I wanted to be prepared for that in case I had the opportunity. It was really fun to learn that, but I think that's probably the only thing that I put a lot of time and energy into upskilling or retraining and from my circus days yes I'd say that the stunt work is yeah a wee bit a wee bit informal and the motion capture action performance that I do like for those people who might not know what that is that's that's where you're in the 
the, the tight leotard, the grey suit with all the dots all over you that have got reflective tape on them and you wear the helmet and sometimes you have the dots on your face so that the cameras can follow and track your facial movements. But what they can do is they can they render your body movement into the computer and they can put anything on top of you. So when you're standing on the stage and you look at all the screens around you, it's me at 5'7", standing in this grey suit and I'll make a movement and then I look on the screen and it's an ape from War for Planet of the Apes or gosh for Valerian and a Thousand Planets we did all these really crazy characters we were like uh, waif thin beautiful kind of alien-esque type creatures but we were also these really big bulbous massive dancing creatures and so you have to watch the screen to adapt your movement to be able to do these these different characters. I've played men as well. So as a female, identifying female um, with quite, quite feminine qualities, I had to readjust the movement of my body to be able to walk and maybe move in a more masculine way. And often in those motion capture days where we're filming, the movement we're doing can be quite intense. So I would say we are doing stunts on those days too. We, we're climbing ropes, we're jumping up and down off large steps or stages that are getting built. One, one time we were filming something for Mortal Engines and I had to pretend like I was jumping out of a helicopter and landing on the ground in a superhero pose. I think I really do draw on the experience from circus and being able to understand how my body moves to do that work. and. When I do get a stunt role in a film, I get very excited because I've left it in the realm of it being quite a treat because I do my social work however many days a week and if a role does come up, I'm like, oh, that's going to be exciting. But at the moment, I've managed to find just a little wee niche where a person like me can fit and can be valuable And I think it's important to keep telling myself that and for other people to know that too, that there is value in what you do, even if you don't feel like you're doing it the way that everybody else is doing it or the way that you should be doing it. And what I really like about some of the pieces that you're telling there, Tanya, about your stunt or um, motion capture work is it's drawing absolutely on all those skills that you learnt from your years of circus training. So the physicality, the inhabiting a character, being able to bring real emotion into a performance, all of those things are continuing now as a part of your career, but just not an all-consuming part. So a part that actually you're able to go in and enjoy and come to kind of in a fresh and exciting way, alongside also the kind of the more fulfilling and more enduring career of social work. If you look back now, what are what would you say are some of the proudest moments of your career? Oh, I think proudest moments. Oh, I think actually it would have to be in 2011, I think it was, I happened to be doing one of my little stints in Auckland where I was trying to live there to be close to my sister and her baby. And I got a job, my first movie. And it was on Worlds Away, um, the Cirque du Soleil film. And I was a part of the Circus Marvelous cast. And 
we were a circus team that were in the opening sequence of that film. And I got this role and I used to do an act called Blockhead. I used to love sideshow. I loved all that kind of stuff of circus. I loved the, the old stories about the midway and, and the shows about the tattooed lady and the bearded woman and all that kind of stuff. And so alongside all the like kind of more traditional circus stuff, like the hula hooping and all that kind of thing. I also did sideshow. So I used to do the blockhead act, which is where you hammer nails into your nose. And I went to the audition for this um, movie. I hammered nails into my nose (laughs) and they booked me. They booked me for the movie. And so they were doing these massive close-ups of me hammering these nails into my nose. And I remember having, I had this fabulous person looking after me. I can't remember her name now, but she was so lovely. She held a tray and it had so many nails on it and all this like sanitizing and sterilizing equipment because between every take, I would use a new nail and I would make sure that it was clean and I'd have to blow my nose, have a sip of water and get my bearings again before we did the next the next take. And I cannot remember how many nails I hammered that day. It was in the 20s of takes that we did of that scene. And I think what I was really proud about was when my mum and my nana flew to Wellington for a weekend and all three of us went to the Roxy Picture Theatre. I didn't see the movie. I waited until they came and we went out for dinner at the Roxy and we sat down in the picture theatre and we watched my huge face the size of a movie screen hammering nails into my nose. It was hilarious. And just like this beautiful moment to share with my mum and my nana because they were obviously so proud that I had been in this film. But it was just a crack up what I was doing in the film. And who would have known that it would have turned into me still working on film many years later and all these different aspects. But I think that was probably one of my proud my proudest moments was sharing that with my mum and my nana and then my, my second one was probably getting my master's in social work finishing my study being able to get through because I did that part-time over four years so it took quite a while but I enjoyed it and I didn't even think once about pulling out and the day that I actually graduated and it was all done I went oh glad that's over but I feel very proud that I managed to do that and I've secured some kind of normalcy, maybe, instability for my future. Mm. And, and interesting, two different stories. I, I love the, the fact that maybe the normalcy and stability contrasted against hammering nails in your nose. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brilliant. But actually, that in that story was almost just that, that sharing some of your journey and your work with your family and the pride that, that comes with that was, was, was lovely to hear. You know, my family were extremely supportive of me throughout my entire circus career. Once I did start going to circus school and they realized how much I loved it and I was there every single day, they were just like, whoa, she's really into this. And I started getting all these jobs. And then next thing you know, I was working in wearable arts and working for a company in Wellington. And really lovely for my family to see me really prosper and grow and have such joy and love for what I was doing. And I, and yeah, they, they gave me a lot of support and made me feel like I could continue to do that for however many years down the track. It was really lovely. Fantastic. And one last question, if I may, Tanya, what career advice have you got for, for other women? I would say just tr- to try and find joy in the work that you do. And I guess 
if that joy is really gone and you've tried to find it in various avenues of your work, then it's okay to make a change. It's okay to move on from that place and that nothing is set in stone. And I think I read somewhere that people change their careers. Gosh, how many times in a lifetime? Is it four? Four times. And that I think a number of the changes can happen later in life. So 30s, 40s upwards, you can have a couple of changes. And yes, if there was anything I could have told my younger self was that um, it's okay to admit that the joy is gone. And that doesn't mean that it was a failure at all. Um, Actually, I think that's a real strength being able to acknowledge that the joy is gone, um, something's not right anymore, and I've got the strength to make a change and move on rather than stay in that career choice and be feeling unfulfilled and maybe regretful or having bad feelings towards that job. So, yeah, I would just say I'm here to support and I do support people's choice for change and I, I would never see it as a failure. Wonderful advice. Tanya, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today and thank you for sharing all those different aspects of your career today. It was fascinating for me to hear that journey into the circus and to film and now as you're, you know, transitioning now and and your kind of passion for for your social work. Mm -hmm. But alongside that, I think for me, it was just that I really appreciated your willingness to share some of the tough times because we all go through tough times and there's no point pretending that life is and our careers are glossy and, and easy and straightforward. So I really appreciate you sharing that as well thank you so much thank you i really hope you enjoyed this episode of the female career podcast thank you so much for listening for more inspiring stories of women of aotearoa and their careers subscribe to the female career podcast via apple spotify google or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story you can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.